Kia ora, and welcome to today's chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey. This is Monday the 30th of October, and my daily podcast that goes out with an email newsletter uh, through Substack, it's called The Kaka. Today I wanted to talk about um, some big news on the housing front, and and also some bits and pieces that have cropped up over the weekend that I think are of interest around housing climate change and poverty reduction. Firstly, on the housing front, there's news today from Simplicity, the KiwiSaver Fund Group, uh, that was founded by Sam Stubbs, a non-profit, that it is opening up a housing and investment fund for people who would normally put their money into a term deposit account to put it into a KiwiSaver investment fund that would then lend on to people who are building and operating build-to-rent or are buying affordable homes. And the scale of this is quite something. Sam Stubbs is targeting 5% of the term deposit market in New Zealand and sees the potential for that to fund the building of 25,000 homes. This is through both directly investing in build-to-rent apartments and lending to first home buyers or other home buyers who are buying um, affordable homes and also uh, a community housing uh, organisations. Now, you may wonder how is this possible because uh, the broad assumptions are that we don't have enough money to solve our housing crisis. Firstly, because there, are, there isn't enough money in the saving system in New Zealand from local savers, so we'd have to bring it in from overseas. Or, and our houses are too expensive. Uh, when it costs more than a million dollars to build a single home, then the cost of, for example, uh, building 25,000 new homes at 25 billion sounds absolutely off the planet extraordinary and never going to happen. And certainly five, ten years ago, that was the case. Uh, We didn't have quite so much money in the bank and we hadn't quite found a way to build houses affordably. Remember, the structure of our building industry is very much about lots and lots of small house builders building one or two houses a year. Unlike other industries where you've had consolidation, uh, efficiencies, uh, M&A, which means you have often three or four major providers who dominate the market, usually more than 50% of the market. Certainly that's the case in banking and in supermarkets. But in house building, that's not the case. The top five house builders in New Zealand have barely 10% of the market. And that's because of the unique uh, structure of our market and the incentives that are in place. Essentially, uh, when you have a boom-bust market, it's very difficult to build scale and to do things like off-site manufacturing, to have massive numbers of people who are on staff. You tend to rely on subcontractors. And one of the key things that's, uh, that limits the scale of um, house building is the ability to apply large amounts of capital for long periods of time at relatively low costs. Uh, because so much of the house building industry is 
is bound up in the business of property development and the capital gains that are untaxed on appreciation of land prices. When the main game as a property developer or a property owner is to actually just get the tax-free gains on the value of land rising, you don't need to worry so much about the house. It could be pretty much a tent. So we, we don't have a very efficient house building sector that is able to build houses cheaply and certainly not as cheaply as in other places. And that's clear uh, with what's happened in the last uh, three to six years where the government has focused its capital and attention on building up the capacity for kinga order to build lots of affordable houses. And what we've seen is kinga order try to scale up to thousands of homes a year. So it's clearly now the largest house builder. The trouble is it hasn't really cracked the um, code for being able to build houses cheaply. And house building in New Zealand typically costs uh, anywhere from four to six thousand dollars per square meter which is double treble the amount that you see for building costs overseas until now simplicity with sam stubbs and new zealand uh, um, home living uh, that is is run by shane brearley and his family have created a model simplicity living which uses the methods and the skills built up by uh, Shane and his group over many years to do things more efficiently. And for those who are wondering how that's done, I'll point you to a podcast I did with uh, Shane a few months ago, which went through the details of how uh, Simplicity Living manages to build houses cheaper than the others. Suffice to say, it's about half the cost of what you'd see from Kainga Aura and other uh, builders of two, three-bedroomed, affordable um, rental accommodation type homes, medium density. And um, that means that it can basically afford to build a home, a three-bedroom home, albeit in a, a medium density home uh, in a, an apartment block, three, four-story apartment block, for around about $480,000, so about half the price of the million dollars you'd see elsewhere. And that starts to become more doable, particularly when you have a model that's based on build-to-rent. This is where you build a house or apartment complex and then you rent it out for long terms to people able to pay you a good rent. And that actually makes financial sense on its own. It doesn't necessarily require a subsidy. But what it does require is some funding. So the ability to get a loan from a bank or an investment from an investor. And already Simplicity has used over $300 million of the money it has in its KiwiSaver funds. And that's the percentage it can use for these sorts of um, what they call long-term non-liquid investments. Uh, it has done over about over $300 million into Simplicity Living projects just to prove that it's possible. It's also teamed up with uh, Community Finance to lend to Salvation Army and others to build affordable social housing. And the announcement today of this fund to raise up to 
12 billion or so, 5% of the $236 billion of money in the term deposits that are in banks, really does two things. It gives us uh, um, uh, a look at potential ways to both increase competition with banks and solve our housing affordability crisis simply by building lots of homes at relatively cheap rates for people to either rent or to buy and um, be able to borrow from the likes of Simplicity uh, instead of the banks. And the reason that's interesting is Simplicity is a non-profit and the banks have been able to lend out more than $300 billion to people who own property in New Zealand and make a profit from it. So around about $6 billion a year. So there is room there to uh, use that margin to um, build a machine that's able to create its own momentum, a flywheel effect, if you will, to um, get lots of savings into house building. You, know, you may ask, well, surely New Zealand doesn't have enough domestic savings to do this. Well, it's a lot bigger number than you might expect, and it certainly it's a lot bigger than it was in the past. So uh, when you look at the amount of money that's in term deposits uh, from households alone, it's $236 billion. And when you look at it from non-financial businesses, so not banks, it's another $111 billion. And then you have another $230 billion that is, that is in both KiwiSaver, which is $100 billion, and 130 to 40 billion that is in various other funds, including New Zealand Super Fund and the ACC. So all up, there's well over 500 billion dollars worth of domestic savings, which could go into, at least partially, the building of New Zealand houses. And remember, a good chunk of that money is currently forced to be invested overseas because there are not investment opportunities for that 500 plus billion here or it goes through the current big four banks and into loans for owner-occupiers and for private landlords to buy houses that already exist. Just imagine if the bulk of that uh, $300 billion was actually for building new homes, not necessarily just buying residential land, and that instead of $6 billion a year going across the Tasman and profits, some of that was used to fund house building in New Zealand. So this is an interesting development and I decided to have a chat with Sam Stubbs from Simplicity and also James Palmer who's the CEO of Community Finance which is working with Simplicity to lend money on to community finance groups. Here's the interview. Well, tēnā koutou kōrua. Welcome into the kaka. Sam Stubbs from Simplicity and James Palmer from Community Finance. Today, a big announcement. Sam, could you tell us um, what what you're offering and uh, yeah. what the money is going to be used for? Yeah, thanks, Bernard. So today we're launching, it's a new fund dedicated to residential housing investment in New Zealand. And uh, it, it invests in four things. And we've already been investing with our KiwiSaver 
money in these asset classes for three years now to test whether it works. So the four things are uh, built-to-rent housing via Simplicity Living. Uh, and then we also offer low-cost uh, first-home mortgages, which we've been doing now for three years. We're investing in community bonds, which um, James will talk about in a minute. And we also have a, a large amount of cash there as well to offer daily liquidity. So effectively what it's going to do is it's going to invest in, um, uh, be very focused on residential housing investments. And with the built-to-rent houses, uh, we know that we can build about 35% below the market cost now. We're actually doing that right now and building in volume. And uh, having now built about 160, and now we've got almost another um, 900 homes in builder and development, we know that we can comfortably build about 1,000 homes a year that way, and that that will cost about $500 million a year. With the mortgages, of course, the mortgage market's massive. Uh, we've made about $180 million of mortgages in the first three years. They have been consistently below the floating one-year and two-year fixed rates of the banks. So we know that they are low cost and also they provide um, re um, really reliable returns to our investors. And on the community housing bonds, um, we know now, and, and James will talk about this, that we can invest in volume to get a serious amount of houses built uh, in the community housing sector. So to give you an idea of the scale of this, Bernard, we think that uh, the equivalent of about 5% of term deposits could build about 25,000 homes around New Zealand, and we know that we can make that happen because we've spent three years proving up that we can. And uh, and and we know that the fund will, will, because it gets all the rents and the mortgages and the interest payments um, are for all from residential housing, linked to residential housing, yeah, except for the cash component, we know that because that money flows in there, it should be a very reliable and low volatile uh, fund as well. So it should be a, a reasonable substitute for people who either own uh, residential property directly as an investment or investing in term deposits or other income income funds. And the other reason to do this, Bernard, is, you know, as a non-profit, we, we, we think you can make money and do good. We're comfortable about the making money bit, and now we want to do an awful lot of good. We want to, you know, build and fund 25,000 homes in New Zealand. That's the equivalent of building, like, a new Fongaray or Nelson. Like, it's a lot of houses. And we very much want to set the example to the rest of the finance industry in New Zealand and also the building industry, quite frankly, about what is possible when you invest in scale over the long term because our housing problem, our housing crisis is solvable. It is possible. We're very confident that that can happen. Someone has to do it and, 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 and show that it's possible. So we're going to be doing that in scale. There has been an argument that um, the banks are so large and they have such a... Uh, a powerful thing with their licenses that uh, no one else can really compete with them in terms of offering uh, low interest rate mortgages or high term deposit rates. But could you tell us about you know how you you think you can compete yeah. with the, the banks for the term deposits and also against them on the mortgage side? Yeah. Well, you know, the mortgages is really easy, eh? So the bank takes in funding, and we know that it's net, what they call the net interest margin, the spread it takes about 2% on average in New Zealand. It's high. So all we do is we take that 2%, and we're a non-profit, so we give some of it back to the investors in terms of higher returns and some of it back to the borrowers in terms of lower mortgage rates. That works beautifully. It's incredibly simple. It's what um, building societies and thrift societies were doing for millennia, until you know, we decided to privatise them and list them and make them for-profit entities, right? So we're just doing what, what thrift and, and building societies have done before. So that's super easy. On the term deposits, of course, people uh, put money in term deposits because they're concerned about 
their capital and they're concerned about getting their interest and so on. And for that, they pay a pretty heavy price because term deposit rates are low. Remember, the banks make that 2% because they don't pay term depositors enough. And they're also the price you pay is you don't get access to your money without a penalty, right? So in this bit, but if you think about what a bank does, Bernard, I mean, I think you've commented on this before, you know, banks are basically the, 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 the residential housing market in disguise, right? They take in all these deposits and they just lend it out in the form of mortgages. So they're exposed to the residential housing market, of course, they have the capital and reserve bank licensing. But basically, if you can come out with a product which is really liquid, which has in, in extremely diversified, you know, this will, if, if we achieve what we want, there'll be the income from effectively 25,000 houses uh, flowing through to this. And remember, Bernard, your mortgage and your rates are the last bills, you know, they're always the first bills you pay, right? You always pay your mortgage and you always pay your rent. So so it's it's reliable from a cash flow point of view too, and the last three years have, have shown that. So, um, uh, so so what we've got, if we get a really big fund that has very diversified exposure to housing and it gets all of those income streams coming in, over time people will appreciate that this is an alternative to term deposits and other forms of housing investment. We don't need this to be an overnight success. This is going to be a multi-decade product building houses, you know, for a very long time and volume. So, and all we're basically saying is, look, just, you know, think about taking 5% of your term deposits and just putting it in here. And with just 5%, that's $14 billion. And $14 billion can build at today's prices over 25, build and fund over 25,000 homes. So it's a pretty easy solution. You know, the, 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 the theory of it is very simple. The, but the practical problems are you've got to build the houses, got to make the mortgages, got to get the community houses built, right? So that's why we've spent three years. We, we, from an investment point of view, we've been very comfortable since day one on this, and it has actually you know, performed really well. But we've wanted to gear up our operations so that we can do this in scale now and align with James and community finance to be able to get community houses built in scale too because, you know, the curse of our housing market, Bernard, I think you know this is, it's little bespoke, small-scale, philo pastry of fees. And any time anyone does anything in scale, people come along and say, oh, that's just cookie cutter. Well, go to Berlin or Birmingham or London. <laughs> There's a lot of housing which looks and feels the same. And, and that's because, you know, it's the advantages of scale. It, it's, you know, you're, you're running it like a factory. You're producing the same high-quality product every time. The fact that it looks the same should not be should not be a negative. In many cases, it should be a positive because it just gets more people in warm, dry houses. So that's what we're doing. And, and yeah, we have been doing it. We've Actually, if you look at what we've already done, we've already built or funded or are developing about 1,500 homes now. We've done that in three years. So, and we're already now a significant you know, player in that in that you know uh, build to rent market, and in the community housing. I think James, we've been one of the bigger funders, right? So, you know, we're ready to gear up and go, and we think we can make we can offer investors a better deal and also help solve the housing prices. We won't solve it, but we can do something in scale which will help. And most importantly, I think Bernard provide an example of what's actually possible. Great. Now, James, uh, you've also been working with uh, Simplicity and with others over recent years to uh, channel some of this money into community housing and social housing. Could you tell us, um, and for those who aren't particularly familiar, about community housing providers, so-called CHIPS, and how you've been uh, working with people like Salvation Army, 
and uh, simplicity to channel money into building homes for people who uh, not only need it, but are also um, effectively receiving a subsidy from the government already in the form of income-related rents. Yeah. Thank you. So community housing providers are licensed by the government, so there quite rightly should be a high hurdle to be able to receive long-term government funding and to look after people, because that's ultimately what this is about. And I think many households would know straight away the likes of Salvation Army and other names that are sort of prominent around around the country. They've been providing housing in this country for over 100 years. So not a bad track record. And we've got this extraordinary situation that I think many of us are aware of where we've never had more money invested, but we've never had more need. And that is so acutely shown on what's called the Public Housing Register. So different governments call it different names. It used to be called state housing. But it's the same thing ultimately, which is um, we know that there's a lot of families that what they bring in as an income doesn't allow them to readily pay market rents. And Kaying Order and community housing providers are able to then house some of the people on these registers. And it's a magic solution, which is a rare example of both red and blue governments continuing each time to to provide this funding and back the solution because it funnily enough works. So for a community housing provider, they're able to get people that are on this register that have lower incomes and provide them a home where the rents are decoupled from market rents. And that's where they'll typically pay 25% of their net income. And what's great about that is we know internationally that Ideally, you're spending less than a third of your pre-tax income on your rental mortgage if you want to be able to have some choices and actually have a lifestyle and not necessarily a great one, as we know. And the issue then is, well, if they can only pay that, how do you provide, how do you build the houses, how do you pay your staff? So what the government does for the Ministry of Housing and Urban Development is enter into long-term 25-year contracts with these community housing providers. That's called a capacity services agreement. And an income-related rent subsidy means that the government will top up the difference between what the tenants pay from their income and the market rent. And that's step number one, which is important. The next thing they do is pay an operating supplement. And that's to reflect the fact that to hold the houses over a long term, to pay staff, to maintain it, to repay your finance over that term, often, particularly in regions, you will need greater than a market rent just because of the service you're providing as well. So that's all agreed up front and is paid by the Crown for 25 years and it's inflation adjusted. So it's this sort of rare example over decades where we've got funding that utterly transforms the lives of those people that can benefit from these homes. But for investors, you've suddenly got not a family that's on low income you're looking at, you're looking at the strength of the New Zealand government that's paying that funding over the long term. Where we've been a little silly as a country is that while the government does the funding, it doesn't assist the community housing providers with finance. And the main cost of getting these new homes, as Sam's touched on, is finance. It's the money side. So what we wanted to do in a similar uh, vein to simplicity is go, well, overseas there's usually an entity in the middle that issues bonds to raise the money to provide finance. We weren't doing that in New Zealand for reasons that aren't apparent because it's a simple but very clever way of scaling it. So we formed community finance to do it, to support at scale the finance need of the leading charities in the space. And that's now what we've, we've done. 
And again, exactly as Sam said, if you charge a lower margin in the middle, you can get investors a higher return and you can lower the cost of finance. And we're now working with five of the leading community housing providers in the country. Simplicity has been a cornerstone investor with us really right from the outset. And, you know, you think of KiwiSaver at $100 billion, you think of all the other investments we have, we actually have the money, and yet we've got 25,000 families on a waiting list for a government house that does not exist. And that's a complete failure. Can you give us uh, an example of, you know, a deal um, houses built in recent years? Because what we're talking about here is a very large-scale um not just building, but financing uh, operation, and everyone wants to know that you've done some trials and you've, you've, you know, you've had a, had a, you've tested the machine, if you like. Can you tell us about how you've tested the machine in the last yeah, two or three absolutely. years? So we've done now around 150 million of this as well, um, and that's around the country. Uh, the first uh, bond we did was for the Salvation Army in 2020, where we raised 40 million dollars, which financed 118 new homes. Uh, since 2021, Simplicity has been supporting us with the likes of Court Community Housing based in Auckland. Um, and Simplicity also recently acquired the latest bonds for the Salvation Army for their latest development in Norton and Hamilton. So that's 30 new homes um, that are coming online with a community centre. And the exciting thing is these community housing providers have capacity to do hundreds and hundreds of millions of more of these homes if it was our family, you'd want them to be looking after you. You know, the quality of their care, their wraparound support um, is is absolutely class-leading, the quality of what they build. And so from an investment point of view, you've got charities with extraordinary balance sheets. You know, Salvation Army has net assets of over $600 million. So again, it's, it's just one of these extraordinary ones where the commercial elements of it absolutely stack up. The government's funding it. And you're buying a bond that having every dollar go into these groups once they've got this 25-year contract from government. So it's only when those contracts are in place. And the capacity is there for us to scale this into the billions because we have the money. It's a proven solution now. We've done bonds for, for five of these community housing providers. There's 70 across the country. And if you take the waiting list, depending on the cost of each home, we need $17 billion dollars just to build the houses for just the people on the public housing register. If we use community housing providers in this model, it doesn't have to be like we've seen over the last few years where that's with billions of dollars that has to go into kind order. We do need that, but this is one where it doesn't have to be the government borrowing the money to do it. Mm-hmm. And and I wonder uh, too um, where the limits to growth are because you know one of the restrictions in recent years has been uh, for, for some of the community housing providers, they haven't necessarily got the equity, the capital to put into the project and then to add the debt on top. Um, but also the government is uh, and has been uh, quite careful not to uh, give too many of these new income-related rent subsidies out. Um, uh, you know, what's to stop a new government? Uh, or or a, re, a reclad version of the current government saying, okay, we just can't afford any more of these income-related rent subsidies? Well, I think the biggest thing is we can't afford not to. There is a real cost to this, and 
but all the data supports that the emergency and transitional housing spend is a lot more expensive for significantly worse outcomes, and that's across health education and housing. So fiscally, the Crown is silly the way it's been allocating resource for poor outcomes. Uh, we need the funding. There's four key ingredients for this to be able to continue to be scaled. One, the government has to provide the places for public housing funded in the budget. Uh, we've been op- obviously only seeing allocations for three-year increments. There should be six or nine years so that everyone can build capacity at scale. Um, we obviously had in this latest budget 3,000 more public housing funded places available I know, but that doesn't equal 25,000, and most of us don't need a calculator for that. So we need to actually say, if you're on a waiting list for the government, let's do it. We then need finance, capital, and development. Um, Sam's already covered the importance of doing development well. There are leading developers and builders who can and are doing this. They have spare capacity. Uh, Finance is the biggest cost. We have that sitting in New Zealand with the money we put in term deposits and KiwiSaver. We just have to decide that impact investing and responsible investing isn't just a label. It's something we actually do. Uh, From a capital point of view, the leading charities often have a balance sheet that can absorb significantly more houses as is. Um, But yes, government providing some capital uh, support to community housing providers or working for us, we also have something called positive capital which allows a community housing provider to put in a dollar and we can then do $10 worth of public housing. So Mm. so there are tools already there available. If you use a community housing provider, Labor was talking about uh, an extra 6,000 if they got in after 2025 of public housing places and an extra 6 billion. Working with us and the community housing providers, we could do that for 1 billion. And that 5 billion could, I think, be readily used in other areas uh, across the country in this time as well. So it's all there. Just finally, um, Sam, uh, um, how confident are you that the incoming government uh, is positive about you know, continuing to provide the income-related rent subsidies, um, continuing to support or maybe adding extra support to the community housing provider sector because yeah. that, that model was sort of created under the previous national government with yeah. Bill, Bill English. What's what's your feeling about, you know, well, um, getting those income-related rents up? Yeah, I mean, I, I just, just, just to deviate slightly, Bernard, and say the other interesting thing about this product is forget about community housing for a second, the bill to rent and mortgages have no government impact at all, right? So we're just going to get on and do this regardless of the government. And and I think this government will like a uh, (laughs) private-led initiative, right? But on the community housing, look, all of the noises they're making are about supporting um, devolution of um, decision-making and housing. So I think that's the overall tone is very positive for the community housing. If we can now show them, and we clearly can, that with the same or even just a little bit more or maybe actually even less uh, funding, we can still achieve better outcomes. As James said, you know, in, in a way, what we're showing the government is, look, here's a way for you to save billions of dollars to reinvest in health or education because the market is picking up the financing, uh, heavy lifting there. And, and it works for us. I mean, the bonds that community housing are providing, we were judged to be investment grade if they went to Standard & Poor's and Moody's. They're that good. So um, I, I think I, I would be amazed if the government um, didn't think that this was a, a pretty cool um, addition and kind of supercharging of the provision. And it really takes an awful lot of 
weight off their shoulders or obligation off their shoulders to to provide this financing. They've got plenty of other things to spend money on, right? So, and the most important thing, uh, well, a massively important thing is, Bernard, 70 cents, well, 60 to 70 cents of every KiwiSaver dollar saved now is going overseas. This directs a little bit more of it back into New Zealand, right? And, and, and into something that we all know is the ultimate fence at the top of the cliff for social problems, a warm, dry home. And, and so there is a really wonderful, um, ben, I mean, this is, a, this is a great investment, but there's also a really wonderful social outcome from this as well. Thank you very much to Sam Stubbs from Simplicity and James Palmer from Community of Finance. Thank you very much for coming on to the Kaka. Namahi Nui. Thank you. Thanks, Bernard.